You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, I'm Steven. And I'm Brett. And we are the Broadway, Broadway Husbands. Husbands. Oh, it's so weird. There's a delay on this. Um, we are... delay and we're sitting in two separate rooms and I'm looking out at the street and I can't see you. This is the first time we have done a podcast not at the Broadway Podcast Network studio in Midtown because um, there's a global pandemic happening right now and everyone's quarantined. So luckily <clears throat> our amazing podcast um, people at Broadway Podcast Network have figured out a way for us to do this remotely from our apartment using a Zencaster. So thank you, Britt. Thank you, Alan, for uh, being our podcast mom and dad and for helping us make this happen. Um, So we are really excited. We've been trying to get this guest on our podcast for uh, several weeks now, and we were really excited to um, meet him face-to-face, but we're actually meeting him voice-to-voice. We have yeah. Jason Mitchell-Khan. Jason Mitchell-Khan is a event planner, wedding planner, gu- wedding guru, if you will, who's written the book Getting Groomed, The Ultimate Wedding Planner for Gay Grooms. I, as you know, Jason, I, I told you before, we don't really love to go into everyone's bio because we'd rather hear from you about how you became a wedding planner, uh, event planner, and maybe even list off some of the Broadway people you've helped plan weddings for. Oh, you want me to talk about myself? Yes, please. Yes, please. Go, go, go. Well, first of all, Brett and Steven, I want to say thank you so much for having me on your show. It is really great to be here, and I am very grateful uh, to modern technology still allowing us to do this. In what has been, um, I, to say the least, a stressful time for all of us in this world. Um, and I know we talked a little bit before the show that we don't want to stay too coronavirus focused. So we'll, we'll get to some of that a little bit later. But um, let's get, you know, let's get to the good stuff, which is me talking about me, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what um, we're here for. Oh, you guys are great. It's actually, it's actually sort of funny for me to do that, but um, I. Um, I am a, 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 a drama dork through and through. I grew up as, as a kid in theater, and then I went to college to, to study it. I got a BFA in theater and moved to New York to pursue my dreams, which at the time were to be a combination of both a performer and a writer. And, um, and very quickly, I, I, I decided that I did not want to continue being a performer. So I, that, that part of my career in New York was very short-lived. 
but I was focusing on, on writing for the stage. And naturally, while doing it, like many, I had a job as a waiter. And so thus began simultaneously while writing my first play, an introduction to the world of hospitality and having a bigger understanding of food and beverage and the multitasking that goes in into the way a restaurant works. And my second job as a waiter, uh, I was fortunate enough, was at the Soho House in New York. And they uh, still are a wonderful company that very much... Bougie. It's so bougie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's pretty bougie. But um, (laughs) that's definitely one of the things I was drawn to about it. But (laughs) for me, besides, you know, I mean, I hate to name drop, but if if I must, I mean, over my time there, I was fortunate enough to... to do a private party for Madonna, for uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z. Who? What? Yeah. And for all the theater listeners, I also got to do a private party for Stephen Sondheim. Yes. Whoa. Uh, Although hands down, I will say in my entire career, they're the best night, the most memorable, was um, a talent dinner that we did for Hot in Cleveland in which the star guest was Betty White. And once dinner started... Uh, the girl who had organized the event came up to me and said, can you please turn off the music? The point is that it's a conversation with Betty. And it was like getting to sit in on a three-hour interview with her over dinner. <gasps> what? So I That's was amazing. Say, it was so special. I, I mean, I'm very happy with where my career has gone, but those days were super fun. And um, sort of going back to, to why I brought up Soho House to begin with is they were a company that always believed and really supported promoting from within. So that's how I, I started as a waiter and was sort of being pruned to become a restaurant or bar, man, or bar manager, but I, I wasn't interested in that. Um, and that's where events began to happen. And so I started uh, within their private events department being uh, what was called an events captain, which is sort of a catering term. And then was quickly promoted to being the event manager. And that's sort of the bridge between the people that sell the events to the clients. And then I would be the person that would run it and do all the interacting with the clients on site. And then the managing of all the staff from the serving staff to the kitchen staff and any other players that were important for our private events. Uh, And then we were also producing events for our members. So I got to do things like book launches and movie premieres and uh, some really, really fun stuff. And all the things that our members were booking privately, such as birthday dinners and baby showers and bridal showers and the in-house weddings. So for me, I I was doing all of that while I was still trying to work on my career as a playwright. Um, I I wrote my second play while I was at Soho House and had it produced in the Fringe Festival. And and after that play, which, which had a very successful run in the Fringe originally, closed i just had this moment in time where i uh, you know and and i know you guys are are both theater people who have really pounded the pavements and this is an uncertain time for everyone in the industry but i knew back then that i i don't i i didn't have it in me to spend my life figuring out the game of theater and how to make a um a sustainable living doing it i just love theater as a craft and as an art form and I felt very fortunate that I could sort of embrace doing two things at once and that I could continue to have productions of the plays that I had already written and write other things, but while also embracing a a career in events because I was really liking it. Go ahead. What I think is really cool about, as a writer, right? So you've you've written a book about gay weddings, which is necessary. I mean, when we planned our wedding nine years ago, like 
there were very few um, books on how to plan a gay wedding because it really is kind of sky's the limit. There's not a lot of tradition around it. Um, and so it's, but as a playwright to then write a book, but then you also create events and in, in your events, you actually use your storytelling craft to make the event special. I think that's really you a unique skill to be able to bring to events. So I'm really curious how you use your ability as a storyteller to create events, especially when it comes to weddings, which I think can be pretty by the number because everyone knows weddings, you know, you, the bride comes, you know, the groom walks in, then the bride enters. And then it's a very, it can be very paint by number. How do you use your storytelling and event planning to make it more spontaneous? Well, I think for the very uh, description you just laid out, that has never been my approach to event planning. I've never wanted an event that I have done to, to feel paint by numbers at all. And I was realizing my love affair with doing weddings of all types while the same-sex marriage movement was happening in New York and was growing here. So it, while I realized that this is what I wanted to do, I was focusing on gay weddings in the beginning. And that's, uh, as you know, led me to write the book. And what I think is so fascinating that gay weddings force you to do is question where some of these traditions came from. Mm -hmm. See if you have any kind of connection to them give them a new spin or throw them out the window altogether. And mm -hmm. what I have been very lucky to witness is that that is now not only allowed by gay people. I mean, every couple that I work for, gay, straight, and anything else, we, we ask those same questions. I mean, I have so many brides that are not doing things that were once considered must-dos for brides. And that is really the um, one of the secrets to having a successful wedding is how you personalize it and how you only do things that you that speak to you as a couple uh, and that are going to create a positive or uh, I shouldn't say positive, going to create a reaction for your guests. Because I think weddings are best when they um, sort of tickle all of the senses, not only in what you serve as far as food and drink or you get to see and design, but how you make people feel uh, emotionally. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there have been times that we've been to a few weddings where they've been so by the book and so impersonal for people that we love and cherish so much. And we've, you know, left feeling like, wow, that I didn't feel anything. You know what I mean? Like exactly what you're saying is that just making it personal and making it about an experience for everyone there. Yeah. I feel like people don't, it's such a missed opportunity. Right, right, right. It's like, what's the point of gathering everyone and celebrating love if you're not actually getting that feeling being there? Yeah. Wait, so I want to know, Jason, what is like one of your favorite sort of out-of-the-box moments you've experienced at a wedding you've planned? Oh, I've had so many. I mean, I, I feel <laughs> lucky that that's my answer. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I, not only have I had drag queens at weddings, I've had multiple drag queens at the same wedding, yes. <laughs> um, which Word. is always super fun. Um, you know, I mean, we, you were asking me before about some of the great theater people that I've gotten to uh, plan their weddings. And there have just been <laughs> moments that because of who they are and the people that are coming that are, are so unique and just like a, a performance of live theater, it's, it's only witnessed by the people that are in the room that day. And it's so special to, to sort of be injected to that multiple times. When Rory O'Malley uh, tasked me to plan his wedding to Gerald, he 
was so filled with gratitude for what the Book of Mormon had done to his career and, and his life that he wanted to have the entire original cast of Book of Mormon perform in the ceremony. Um, and so Stephen Aramis wrote, you know, a custom mashup for them to do. But by that point, several of them were no longer with that show. They moved on to other things. So um, that day was the most mental sound check I've ever had to organize because we were floating so many actors' schedules who were doing different. Ma- it was a, their wed- wedding was on a Sunday night, and so actors were either trying to come before their matinee or squeeze it in after, or one even came at intermission. <laughs> I think sort of illegally they left the theater. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, but it was it was so fun to be able to pull that off, and then to to hear them and 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 witness the 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 feeling that they created in the room for every, for all 400 guests that were at that wedding. Um, I, it's never lost on me that my career as a wedding planner began so much with, with the rise of gay weddings. Mm. And I feel that even in having done so many at this point, something that is uh, unique to them the, that must always be celebrated is that this wasn't always available. Mm. Right. And I'm sure you've had several gay friends that have now gotten married and several of your listeners might be some of them too, but it, it, it was less than a decade ago that this was not happening in this country. Right. And I think we, we always have to celebrate that. Absolutely. And I think, I think that what's great is that is to have someone like you who not only I mean, for us, I wish we'd know, we we didn't know you when we planned our wedding. Yeah, we would have totally. Should have would have moments. Um, yeah. But next year will be ten years. Maybe you can help us plan our vow renewal for ten years. Or something. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been telling Stephen. I was like, we need to do a vow renewal next year, but it might have to be on Zoom or something at this point. Yeah. Um, but that would be interesting <laughs> to talk to talk about. Like, have you had since we're doing this whole technology? podcast interview have you had to do weddings where technology was involved or maybe the grandma couldn't be there or somebody had to call in have you ever had that experience i have and um <laughs> really I you have i have how do you do that <laughs> well when someone who is important to a couple that's getting married is too sick or ill to make it in but you want them to be there i've we have um you know skyped in and zoomed in ceremonies for people in hospital beds and sometimes even and sometimes people just can't make it because they can't travel or, or whatever the circumstances are. Right. So we have um, managed to have people be present, even if they're not physically present, which I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of now. Right. Interesting. Interesting. But technology is one of those things where I, I, I always think there, it has so many great things that it offers as well as so many challenging things. And it's one of many reasons why there has been, as of late, a growing trend to ask people to, to put their phones away at weddings, mm. to truly ask guests just to be present with the couple and, and, and witness what's going on in the room, because people are so hungry to get all the content for their Insta stories and whatnot, that it just creates a very <laughs> different sensation if every guest sitting at a ceremony is filming you on their phone rather than just listening and, and watching. And watching, right. When there's mm-hmm. actually a... Ve- a video person hired and a photographer hired, you can put your phone away. Yeah. There's that, you know, there's some photographers and videographers now that put it in their contract that they require that the couple ask their guests to do that during the ceremony. I love that. 
Yeah, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Um, I what? So is it true? Just like those bridezillas and people are into the into the bridezillas. Have you experienced groomzillas? Oh, I mean, definitely. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of silly question is that? Of course. It's a real um, thing, huh? It's a real thing, but you know, I mean. It, it, to, to, to some extent, people are in, entitled to have to exhibit some of the qualities that would give them such a title, like Bridezilla <laughs> or Grimzilla. I understand that I'm working for you during a process that leads to a very heightened day in your life, and emotions run very high. And sometimes you see sides of people come out because of that. What I know that is it, part of my job is in that process and getting to know them through the whole planning is to find ways to mitigate that as much as possible. Mm. And I mean, I never take things personally when people snap at me at their wedding day or something like that, because I, I know that a, they're probably not going to remember that they did it. And if they do, they often apologize because they're stressed with things that are stressful. I mean, you're the, the family's asking a million questions People are all telling you what you should do and, and questioning your choices. And it's just sort of par for the course of the wedding. And so, I mean, I do my best to prevent as much as prevent that from happening as much as possible. And I give all my couples um, several pep talks in the process to, to sort of prepare that that is going to happen, even though you can tell everyone that you have a professional wedding planner, your parents are still going to ask you questions mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, 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 and bring that energy to it. But um, I think, you know, a, What's, again, sort of interesting about my clientele, because I, I would say that most commonly I do gay grooms or I do uh, couples that are, are Broadway performers or some other types of people within the, the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think both of them bring to it a slightly different perspective, which I really connect with, which is not this desire to make the night feel like a once-in-a-lifetime fairy tale. Mm-hmm. They seem to go about it from a much more grounded perspective i mean certainly a lot of actors have said to me i don't want my wedding to feel like an opening night i've had that i I, you know i want to go through this like myself i want to feel like i can enjoy my family my friends my spouse and Mm. i think a lot of gay grooms even if they aren't performers haven't spent their life dreaming about this day and having this highly Mm. curated pinterest page of what it's going to look and feel like and so they arrive at it in a different way. And, and that I, I definitely connect with that part of the process much more. Oh, that's so interesting. I love hearing that. I just, for some I love reason, hearing that... That it explains, I think that I, I just know when we got married, like not having much expectation or not, um, you know, having something to like kind of idealize in my head. And then, but then when you actually get to the moment, I think that that's why, my emotions were so high because I, it was all so unexpected and how meaningful it was going to be. And I think that that was what was so beautiful about having a wedding. And like, I think, you know, it opened my eyes to that experience before, before we got married, I was like, well, I don't, do we have to get married? You know, is it going to mean anything? Like, what are we doing this for? And then you get into that moment and you're like, Oh, just it's so beautiful and unexpected how how long did you guys spend planning your wedding (laughs) not long so brett came (laughs) home from a tour he got home on valentine's day of 2011 and 
we had just spent a lot of time apart from each other and we were kind of bickering or I don't know what you would call it, but we weren't <laughs> getting along. And, um, and we had, we had been engaged for almost two and a half years at this point. And we kind of had a conversation like, are we going to get married or what are we doing? Like, and so then I was like, well, why don't we get married on April 18th? Cause that was the day of our first date. So we had from February 14th to April 18th. So a relatively short timeline to pull off. Yeah. 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 And honestly, like I remember at the time I ended up doing most of the planning and I ended up like starting to, to do research and, you know, had to go to like the not.org or whatever that website was. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) and they had like a calendar and it was basically like, a one-year calendar, like typically, I guess most people plan their year, uh, their wedding in a year, and it was literally like a checklist. And I would swear, like sixty percent on that checklist was not relevant to us. It was based on what typical brides have at their wedding, and we had two months to knock all those forty percent off the checklist. And we, and it actually worked out great because there wasn't that much thought put into, it. like there wasn't too much anticipation around it, you know, where I think. I think that most people, at least witnessing my brother get married three times, one of my brothers get married three times, another one get married twice. Um, and they plan this whole things out for a year. And there's so much anticipation that when the day comes, there's all this pressure um, that I felt like we didn't really have that much pressure. It was a little more carefree. It was sort of like, and we did it on Monday because, you know, most of our friends are off on Mondays from their shows. And we could get really good discount rates on event spaces and <laughs> catering. Um, and we so, did. We were, yeah, and we, we did. And, <laughs> you know, but ultimate was like, if you can't be there, sorry. Like, you know, we'd love to have you. But if you can't, no problem. I mean, then, that's okay. If I could bottle up everything that you just said and, and pass it on to so many clients, <laughs> um, because it's you, you, it's so well put as far as, it, I mean, people will enjoy the experience so much more if they go into it with that kind of mindset. Right. Right. Well, I will say Stephen's parents to this day says best wedding ever. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> they, just, they just renewed their vows, their 50th wedding anniversary. And my dad was kidding. He was like, Oh, we had the best. We're now the number one wedding. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, well, you were the number one wedding. And then my mom was like, you're still the number one wedding. <laughs> <laughs> the fight to hold the title. <laughs> but I do think that there was something to that day. I remember cause I had done so much planning and then to have like, to then be thinking about like, are, are they going to get the place settings and who's going to do when, who's going to make sure we get the cake going. And like, I was kind of doing all of that while getting married at the same time. And that's not as much fun. It would be nicer to have like Jason there, yeah. <laughs> like to yeah. be like, we, you get, you take care of this so I can just enjoy um, the day. And so I, well, we I did have you know, pay. that really helped. Yeah. We had a, our, like our, we basically, she was our, our party, our wedding party, our friend Kay. <laughs> it's great to have friends supporting you in the process but i mean i i I don't just say this when i'm like trying to sell myself to clients but you do if you can afford to want a dedicated person there on the day who's not a guest and um can just focus on everything that has to get done so the event you know runs smoothly and i love 
that role. Yeah. Um, it, you know, and, and I work with clients on all different types of timelines. I mean, I have worked with some clients for two years and I, I, I did a timeline similar to the one that you guys did. I planned one wedding in 48 hours once. I mean, I've, I've done it in lots of oh, different wow. configurations. Well, that, that was a unique time because that was when, when marriage equality, and I'm sure you remember, first passed in New York, there was actually a concern that too many couples were going to flood to get married right away. So there was a lottery system if you could get a marriage license. And um, we, I, I got a call from a couple on a Friday that they said, we just found out we won the lottery and can get married. Can we do a wedding on Sunday? And oh, so we cool. put the whole thing together over the weekend. And it was the first weekend that marriages were happening in, in New York. So it was such a special time as gay people. But what I was saying before about the, the role of the wedding planner, I, there's so many parts of the process that I like as a, you know, in being a writer, it is so wonderful to get to know couple stories and find creative ways to tell them through the event. And also I'm endlessly fascinated by people's stories. I, I love finding out from all of my, um, gay couples, what their coming out story was, what it was like when they first started dating, what it felt like when they got engaged to think about having a marriage. And I also love hearing that from my opposite sex couples who have different associations with marriage and what it means to finally be with the right person. I mean, all of that is so informative to me. And I love hearing people's histories um, of marriages in their family and the people that were around them. Some people, you know, you have multiple sets of parents at weddings because of the amount of divorces and remarriages and things like that. All of that factors in. Um, and it's important for me to understand the entire world of it. So it's kind of like getting into a new family sitcom or drama, depending <laughs> on the family, <laughs> um, every time. And it's like all of that information builds to the to the opening, and I'm 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 at my happiest on wedding days for people from start to finish. It's it's really fun to just to to I, I and people always say often will say to me I don't know how you do this this day is so long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah. it, it can be, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. I'm curious, since you're, you're kind of in this, like, in the queer culture now, like you, you've done a lot of gay weddings and you've been around it, and and such a trend now is is sort of non-traditional relationships. Have you ever had to marry a thruple or anything like that? I have not had to marry a thruple yet. Um, uh. But I will say that 
in being a wedding planner, you get an insight into a lot of people's relationship. And I take pleasure <laughs> in the fact that many people feel very comfortable sharing with me a lot of details that are not necessarily pertinent to the wedding. <laughs> so I lie. I'm kidding. You don't have to say it. I'm kidding. Um, but it has been very eye-opening to uh, see I think the comfort levels rise within the queer community of the idea of being open or monogamish or whichever term people feel comfortable using. There was a monogamish. That's funny. I've never even heard that. Yeah. That's a Dan Savage coined that, but, um, (laughs) you know, and, and I, I, I think that that is the beauty of the idea of marriage for anyone, not just for gay people is that, while we have all this pomp and circumstance and tradition, it's what a couple wants it to be and and wants to make of it. And I think you will succeed in your marriage if you guys are both on the same page about what that is before you decide to to go through with it. And you've talked about that and you have honest expectations that we as people evolve constantly and and have different wants and desires and and things can change. Um, But it's been fascinating to see how that's, it's happening more with, with straight people too. Um, but gay people in some ways, I think, are like mastering marriage for that reason, because mm. they're they're doing it on their own terms. Mm. Interesting. And, so like interesting. The, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would say that, it, my, I mean, my guess is that less of the couples whose weddings I've done are monogamous. Well, I would I would say we're, we are monogamous, but we there's very few couples that we've that we know of that are, and we actually feel sometimes a little out of place because we aren't in an open relationship. uh, Like, like so many people, especially in our industry, it seems it may just be um, the norm now, but, uh, but we, as we are, and we're very open about it. Um, but open we about do, not being open. I love it. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and because honestly, most people just assume, especially because we're yeah, on Instagram are, yeah. and we're taking photos, you know, sometimes in our underwear, <laughs> they're just like, Hey, where's your only fans? And like, can I be a guest? And it's like, no, yeah. that's not what we're doing here. Um, and was that, that something that was, was always important to the two of you as you first became like, as, even as you first started dating, did you yeah. even talk about it back then? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I I mean, I, I don't know if we talked about it in the beginning, but there was definitely like a period where we were very clear, like, we're just going to be together. And um, we've kind of just always talked about it and moved forward in that direction. And then, yeah, I mean, I think it's from the, from the beginning, like, I think from when we first started really dating, like for real, I say in like August of 07. <laughs> right? Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm, this I, is a test. No, but, <laughs> it's, but it's it it confirms the point that I think the three of us are in agreement about is that as couples, I mean, that's a decision each couple has to make of uh, deciding and, and feeling comfortable with the terms that they want it to, to, to yeah. live with. And I think where it's challenging is when a couple is not in alignment about that subject. Right. Absolutely. And you, and I imagine as a wedding planner, I mean, we were, who were we talking to the other day that was, Oh, we're talking to an efficient, someone who, uh, the, the efficient who did Stephen's parents 50th wedding anniversary. And, um, 
she was saying like, you can tell, like you can tell the relationships that are really clear and really communicative and are really on the same page. What she was saying, you know, like I, you can usually get a feeling like these people are going to last or these people. And she didn't say it like this, but it's kind of the basic gist. She's like, this is a, this is a marriage that's going to last. Or you can usually tell like, Ooh, I'm not sure they're supposed (laughs) to be doing this right now. Oh yeah. I've had a few of those. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure you have, and you still have to put on that face. And that's just like when we do our, I've done some pretty bad musicals. (laughs) (laughs) The parallels of our industries are still got to show up and do it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I will say though, to, to that point, I mean, I have also learned now in, in being, you know, in having worked for such a diverse amount of people is that like some couples, when I meet them, I, I see their love and connection in such a profound way. I'm like, right. oh my God, they are so meant to be. It's like, you know, setting the bar so high for relationship goals. Um, and then others, I don't necessarily see that. And yet it doesn't mean that they're not going to succeed. I mean, some people are right. less affectionate. In, around other people or just uh, more reserved or whatever it is, but it doesn't mean that that, that they don't know how to care for each other in a very deep way when they're behind closed doors and everyone is different like that. Yeah. Well, I think you probably learning everything you've learned, you'd be great at giving some relationship advice. So we're going right. to move you over to our segment, which we call spotlight on love. I feel so honored. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, um, I think we, we reached out to some people about questions and we thought it actually would be better because we've been pent up for about three or four days now together. And I imagine there's several of you that are maybe pent up. Let's say, um, there's a better word for this, not pent up, maybe a sharing space during a quarantine with someone you love. And how do you, how do you think some good background music (laughs) sharing space (laughs) with someone you love? Um, how, what would be your advice to help keep yourself sane or, respecting each other's space when you're spending this much time with someone? (laughs) Um, You know, it's, it's funny that you should ask that now because I've been having this reaction to the the sort of self quarantine. And so many times I've said people, I'm really happy to be single right now and just have to take care of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think for, for many people, I mean, they're facing a reality that, that, they didn't see coming. And particularly for couples living in, in cities where apartments are smaller and there's less space to, to roam around. I, I think you have to go through this very consciously that, that you as the couple do not have control over the rules you're being asked to now live within. They're coming from an outside force of being asked to stay at home as much as possible and somehow still create boundaries from each other within that. If you are someone that is used to having some alone space and time, you have to figure out a way to carve it out because the last thing you want to do is start resenting your, your loved ones during this time. We all have to pull together and, and, and help each other get through this. And if it means being creative with 
alternating when who, at what time you go out for your daily walk and not sharing in that together and having it as a separate thing or going into separate rooms or separate corners if you're in a studio and turning away from each other, maybe watching different programs on your devices rather than trying to do everything together at the TV, you still need to carve out some sense of, of your own identity and not just let everything merge or I think you're going to feel really stressed out. Yes, yes. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Brett, do you want to answer the question? Yeah, what's it, what's it like living in one? <laughs> Well, I will say it's been, it's been actually kind of nice. I mean, we're getting our taxes done, you know, but, um, but I think that what's been really good is being able to have, like, if we lived in a studio apartment, this might be a little bit tougher, but we are able to like, one person can go in the bedroom and one can be in the living room. And, um, so that's been nice to sort of be able to separate space. And that way, like if, I want to go write for a little bit or he wants like he did a ballet bar earlier in the, in the bedroom while I talked to some friends. So that's kind of, I think essential is to be able to respect that each other's going to need separate space at some point and to be able to just communicate that and actually just own it and not feel like, well, no, we're supposed to be together all the time. I think that that (laughs) that can be, that can be a little unhealthy. Um, But we're lucky because I think, yeah, Oh, sorry. Well, I think that, you know, this, what people are being faced with right now is in some cases more than just how long are we going to be inside together? I mean, jobs are so uncertain for so many people, future careers and what all of that is going to look like. And I think we all want to stay healthy and stay positive, but it's also okay to be vulnerable, especially to, to, to your loved ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Steven. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's interesting. I think that just speaking from like what we've done the past couple of days, um, I think today is at least for myself, the first day that I've actually felt I didn't wake up in a complete panic. Um, so I, my anxiety isn't as high today. So I've actually, I think naturally we have started to kind of do our own thing again. Um, but I, it's interesting <laughs> when we go outside. <laughs> I like I'm really scared like we were just outside for like 20 minutes maybe 30 at the most and I wanted to go into this small bodega and Brett was like go ahead go in and I was like there was like two people inside and I was like kind of he wouldn't go in with me and I was like well I'm not gonna go in there if you're not gonna come in with me because <laughs> like, I was scared like I was like I don't want to go in there like they're so they're gonna be so close to me um so yeah, but it's been good inside to have our own space. And, um, you know, for the most part so far, we've been okay. And then we always come together <laughs> at night. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. But, um, <laughs> like, at some point in the night, both of us are usually, like, high anxiety at some moment. And then we both look at each other like, all right, you need to sit down. And, like, we both need to sit down and, like, <laughs> calm down. And like, we usually like at the same time are able to sit down and both of us kind of relax together. Um, so it's well, been okay so that's far. Wonderful. And I would say, yeah, I mean, I think for other people, if, if you aren't able to be that for your, 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 you know, spouse or boyfriend, or depending on what status you're at, 
um, then it just, you have to recognize that we're not going to be each other's calming mechanisms in that. And we have to do something else to get us to that state because yep. if we're all just so high anxiety from all this, it's going to be much, much worse. Yeah. I, yeah. I yeah. tell you what, what's been interesting in this, I don't know if this will help any of our listeners, but you know, we reach out to our family and they're immediately like, get out, get out of New York city. <laughs> Hurry up. Are you, you coming? Know. Are you leaving right now? When are, are you, you are leaving? You get road? here. Come here. And it's like, are you ready? You know, I think that there, the intention is great, but I think we all have to um, trust our gut, trust that the government and, well, some of the government, um, the CDC, let's say, um, have our best intentions. And we need to, we need to do this for the sake of uh, stopping the spread and, and, and do this for ourselves. But if you're not with somebody and you don't have, I think, you know, I don't want to take for granted the fact that we are lucky we aren't alone because I know if I was alone, I would have a harder time with this right now. Um, that use technology to your advantage, FaceTime people, call people, reach out to people. Don't obsess on social media, which is an easy thing to do right now because there's not much else going on. Um, actually connect with people, FaceTime people, call people like we, we are so this, what I think is so unprecedented about this moment is that we've never had a global pandemic with the technology we have today. So we get to take advantage of that and really try to connect with people. And that's, um, for you, Jason too. Like if you're like, Hey, I'm on the Upper West side and I'm bored and you know, reach out to us. We'll FaceTime you. Like we're hanging out. So um, Absolutely. I mean, in some yeah. ways, I'm feeling a little bit more connected to people because, like my my closest friends here in the city, we've now we're doing a regular six o'clock FaceTime happy hour, yes. and it's it's like we're we're talking more than we did before. Oh, I <laughs> so love that. It's, it's it's really nice, and I mean, I, my world has has not slowed down. It's become very uncertain. I mean, I've, I I have so many weddings now that are in the process of postponing and rescheduling and we're on the phone with every single vendor who's scared out of their mind that their business might, might not reopen i mean it, right. it it did not we're not in the wedding industry i mean we're alive just uncertain about the future um mm -hmm. and i have found that with so many of my clients just facetiming makes this whole time feel more personal than just answering questions via email Good. it's been really nice to to see people and um, I mean, I, it's this so strange for me because when I work with people, I'm, I'm always so friendly about how I do my job. I mean, I'm a, I'm a hugger by nature. Mm -hmm, and right. so I, I want to give everyone a virtual hug and, 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 and convince them that even if their wedding is going to happen a few months later than expected, it's going to be okay. And, um, we have to, like you said, we have to follow the best guidance that we're giving. So everyone stays safe and healthy, but we, you, you're still in love. You're still going to get married one day. You know, you, you found your special person. These are great things to celebrate. Yeah. Yep. It's all yep. going to get better. And we can all keep creating. I think that's the beautiful, beautiful thing about this moment too, is, um, you know, the playwriting and the acting and the music, it can all keep going that, you know, that doesn't have to stop. And, um, and what I will say is, you know, if you love, seeing happy couples in beautiful settings you should follow jason on instagram <laughs> <laughs> he's always got some beautiful wedding photos on there and um and he's somebody you should connect to you can check him out at mr jason mitchell 
on Instagram. And is there something else, someplace else you would want people to follow you? Do you have a blog or anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, I blog and I'll be doing more of it now because there is more time to write. And that's published <laughs> on my website, which is jasonmitchellcon.com. And awesome. um, I think, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started the show about how to record something, you know, with the new information that, that, that came since we decided to do this. And I think for all of us, especially us creative types, I mean, we can't stop being creative as an outlet for us and the people who like to watch and, you know, digest that kind of content need it as well. And I agree. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough time to live in, but think of all the great books and plays and musicals that are going to be written while people are, you know, being forced to, to, to do some of that work. And we, we will get through this. I mean, and there will be a time when we will all be at weddings again, dining and dancing and raising a glass for great toasts. And it's going to mean so much more than when we're on the other side of what we're in right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. We are so happy to get to talk to you. We can't meet, wait to meet you face to face. Yeah, maybe great to meet planning. you virtually. Yeah, we'll start planning our um, vow renewal for next year, Stephen. What do you say? All right, let's do it. <laughs> let's, let's well, if we, if we still want to stay married after this quarantine, I don't know how I'm going to Yeah, we'll, we'll check in after that, but then we'll start ah. some regular first time happy hours. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. And uh, thank you all for listening. We will see you on the next episode of the Bobby Husbands Podcast. And don't forget to love who you love. And love what you do. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.